everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we are covering The Night House with Jen Owens. Welcome, Jen. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes, Thank so you for excited. being here. Um, this is going to continue our adventure because we're looking back to last year, which is a scary thing to do in this decade. But we are <laughs> <laughs> we are looking at 2021 movies in theory. This one has a weird date. So it might be 2020. It might be 2021. It's a time it's, traveler. It's a good movie. So we're going to take it. And you know it's, what? It's the doctor in movie listen, form. Listen, it's wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It came out between 2020 and today, and that's all that matters. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> and either way, we're going to talk about it. So, but before we get into the night house, um, Jen, we're going to get to know you a little bit since it's your first time on the pod. So we start here with all of our first time guests. Number one, the million dollar question, what's your favorite scary movie? Oh, so I have a really hard time picking a favorite. So, but I went with just a kind of a, a staple and my all time, I guess, classic favorite would be A Nightmare on Elm Street. Hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not trying to kiss ass or anything. I promise. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. So are slashers your favorite subgenre? I do like slashers. I would have to say, though, I kind of have... It's weird. I have a soft spot for found footage mm. horror. Now there's a lot of really bad, but when they're good, they're good. And so I'm I'm in it for the good ones. But I mean, I I enjoy them all, really. <laughs> have you seen God Forsaken, the one on I, YouTube? No, I haven't. So like I I am hit and miss with found footage because I'm a heathen, but like um, Mary Beth McAndrews recommended that one, and it's a good time. It's about a woman who decides to not be dead at her funeral, and how the town interacts with that after she decides to not be dead anymore. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've actually we found quite a few good found footage. Troy, what was that one we covered for my birthday where they go into the old asylum? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the name of it. Um, something, something asylum. It's oh dang it. Oh well, it was really good. So if you look up, it's on. It was on Prime, so it may still be up there. If you just look up asylum, it was like from. We should know it. It's so good, and we or just like "Mm." (laughs) I'm like, listen, I've been drinking for I don't know how many years. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I also love found footage. But you're right. Sometimes it can be. A little rough and but you know it can also be really creative and really fun so i i like it jen tell us what is your horror origin story what got you interested in the genre was it you know early on like most like a lot of us or were you a convert later in life <laughs> well it was very early on it was nightmare on elm street at the age of five with some <laughs> older cousins, some semi-responsible preteens. So they did their best to kind of cover my eyes for a few scenes, but uh, they were a little slow during the boiler room scene. And that's the one that has always kind of like stuck with me. Um, but after that, it was just kind of uh, like growing up. My parents had, you know, they my dad needed his shows. So we had cable. So it always seemed like horror movies were just, on it and was then, a good time in the world, you know. Yeah, know you they, know, the youngins don't have that anymore. No, <laughs> as a parent now, I'm just like, how did my parents not give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it always felt like there's always something spooky on in the background, and then I'd go down to the library, and I, I remember I checked out like all the classics: Omen, Exorcist, Candyman. And then watched them (laughs) alone in the dark. So, because I was super brave. I was like a really brave, like, (laughs) 10-year-old. Yeah, we love that here on Fear Street. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, kind of ever since then, yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll take a moment and plug your projects that you, you've got going on. I know you got a podcast and stuff like that. So make sure you tell the listeners where they can find all your stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, I have a podcast. It's called My Streaming Bubble, and it can be found on pretty much any podcast player near you. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Podchaser, like pretty much all of them. I have new episodes that come out every Sunday, and it's a podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with people I tolerate. And we just... <laughs> <laughs> I love and- that. Thank you. And yeah, and then we just read way too much into whatever show or it it started off with shows, but I've been doing a lot more movies and I've also done some uh, actor uh, episodes where we've watched a bunch Mm -hmm. of their movies and then talk about them as an actor and stuff like that. And so that's been that's a lot of fun. Um, And then this Thursday on the 20th is my podiversary. The podcast turns three. So I'm very excited for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble and then Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. Awesome. Um, Do you have any uh, personal socials you would like anyone to follow you at that is not connected to the podcast? Uh, Sure, they can. You can follow me on my personal account uh, over on Twitter. Uh, It's Wiscani Mommy. And it's pretty boring over there. I spend most of my time (laughs) on that account telling Senator Ron Johnson to fuck off. (laughs) 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 Someone has to. So. (laughs) Yes. So everyone should join Jen in doing that on Twitter. Just telling you. Yes. Maybe he'll get the hit and then fuck off this fall. So <laughs> we can. Only I love hope. fuck off fall. Yes. You know, and I, I got about a list of about you know 40, 50 other ones that can do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Listen, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, well, let's get into the night house because this movie was. Oh, I uh, got a we got a lot to talk about. So, Jen, what's one of your first thoughts? Okay, so. All right. So my notes are kind of like all over the place. But my first question is, okay, so she said she had always like suffered from depression. Now, was that always like pre her little tango with death where she temporarily died? Or was it like after that moment and beyond that? I I, I can't remember if they said. I feel like it probably started before that. And I wonder if that's part of while whatever she saw when she died was coming for her because like maybe... And we we really don't get the full story of how she almost died because she says it was an accident mm-hmm. and it was a pancake situation in a car. Yeah. But we don't know what all else went into that night because a lot of people have car accidents that are not accidents. Um, if that yeah. makes sense. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So um, so yeah, I was just I wasn't super clear on that. And it's not that it was like that big of a deal, but the so my big note is that this movie I, I did I did like this movie, but kind of one thing I didn't like was this idea that her husband was kind of carrying her darkness, her dark passenger, if you will, Mm because it's literally a dark passenger and how carrying her dark passenger was such a weight on him and he couldn't take it anymore. And then he did the ultimate thing and sacrificed himself to keep her safe but then really it didn't so i don't like this kind of message that it seemed to send that the the burden that the partner carries because of the original person's darkness that (laughs) i didn't like that but okay good (laughs) i i like this movie i like it a lot actually but also like what starts to unravel is why was Owen taking this on? Why was he talking to her about it? Like mm-hmm. she told him nothing is in the afterlife. And he was like, well, I'll investigate myself, which is very <laughs> weird of your partner to be like, I, I believe you, but I don't believe you, bitch. Um, and then, like, <laughs> it all on himself. And to the point where he's killing women who look like her trying to cheat death. And I'm like, yeah. do you just find destination? Did you not know you can't cheat death? Like, let's just talk to her. Yeah. Talk to her. I actually, yeah, I feel very similar to both of what y'all said. And I think that for me, the frustration came in the form of like, yeah, why aren't you communicating? Like, why aren't you telling her, hey, this shit's happening? How can we as a as a unit handle this as opposed to just me handling this on my own? I also think that. Yeah, it just doesn't make because like it also I hate that 
if you're going to have use the plot device that he's sacrificing himself to protect her and then it just doesn't work and i'm assuming it's because she didn't leave well enough alone like she kept kind of like trying to figure out but then it was also kind of put on her from the very beginning by the dreams that she's having so like did she cause herself to be like caught by this demon death thing or there's just a lot of things that the mythology that they're utilizing doesn't answer like the what is the statue does the statue mean something yeah. I, I kept being like what is this statue thing and then like the depression like was that if it i hate using mental illness just to be like foreshadow but like is that the only reason that it was there to foreshadow her ending process with playing with committing suicide? Like, I don't, I, it's, that all felt really kind of messy, even though I didn't enjoy the movie. Yeah, same, because I love the movie, but like when I really think about it, I'm like, what, what are we going for? But again, I like it. And so I'm just like, I'm going to keep silent, but also like when you look at it, because again, like this woman, the first time I watched this, I was like, her husband's cheating on her. Shut. I called that. I was like, yeah. And it turns out he wasn't. He was killing people, which I mean, I guess is better. better? I don't know know them. We didn't have tea. We didn't go for drinks. I don't know what their marriage allows, but she seems upset about it. And so, like, we have this, like, really complex woman who I actually love. Like, I Mm -hmm. I like her as a character. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people on Twitter hate her, but I, I want more women who feel feels. Um, because so often we see the widow who's like brave face, gotta be likable because men hate people who are not likable when they're women. And she's like, no, I'm having an emotion. I'm having a moment. Um, I'm mad. I'm sad. I'm all of the emotions. I painted with a full fucking box of crayons as grief is one to make people do. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's just like really raw and real. And we don't get enough of that, especially from women. Um, and so I was here for that. But like, when you look at it, it's like, you and your husband supposedly got along and you were like supposedly married for all the right reasons. And he's like, I hear your story. I'm going to go play with it without you. And those yeah. are the movies and shows that fall flat for me because I'm just like, if you believe this person or you don't believe this person, wouldn't you bring them in so you can like figure out what's going on together as opposed to mad scientists in the other room, Mr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. See, I don't think that he went out and started fucking around with digging into like the depression and then all the darkness and stuff, because when she is finally confronted with this dark passenger, this dark passenger admits that it's been whispering all the little do the bad things Mm -hmm. to Owen. So her darkness, her dark passenger is literally reaching out to Owen and making him do terrible things. And so, again, with that kind of like metaphor or whatever, I'm just like. Really? (laughs) (laughs) You're you're right. And I can see that being like mental illness affects the people around us too. Yes. But the way it's done, when you really look at it, it's like, why wouldn't he just be like, hey. Exactly. um, You brought this into the house and here's how it's talking to me and here's what I'm doing. Because again, he killed multiple women. And so I can't be all like, oh yeah, mourn him. I'm like, he's out here killing your doppelgangers. (laughs) (laughs) That's so creepy. Right. And he also like, and so supposedly we're supposed to believe that this late the latest one that she finds the picture of in the phone and then later finds and begins to have a friendship with i don't know it was a weird moment i was like why are you showing up with this girl's doorstep <laughs> you are you got some cojones you're, you're a brave woman okay mm-hmm. <laughs> but like um what about that because he seemed to like about to be killing her but then pulled himself back i don't know it just feels like there's a lot of missing parts of the story that they told us even though i did enjoy what i was given i think i just mm-hmm. wanted to maybe understood maybe if they gave me more i could understand what they were really trying to say maybe yeah. they could have cleaned up some of those metaphors and analogies and comparisons they were trying to make mm-hmm. especially because at the end of the day like we have this movie about a woman who's investigating her late husband's like life because she's finding out he has other shit going on they never told her about and so, like, it, I, it fails the Bechdel test. It just does. And I know that that is, like, the easiest parameter. <laughs> because I, I want complicated women who are doing things not for husbands. And that could have been cleared up had she had a wife instead. Um, but also, like, here we are with what we're given. And so she's like, what was he into? What was he doing? And it finds out it's about her, but he never told her. 
And like when you don't tell the person that you're killing people because of them, <laughs> it just looks it's a, it's a hot fucking mess. And again, mm-hmm. I had a good time. I'm not being like, oh no, it's a two star movie because it's not. Clearly, I've watched it twice now. <laughs> <laughs> I I just wish that we could have done something different as opposed to like what was he into and all of her responses being triggered by that because I think that mm-hmm. grief alone is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all lost someone or something and we all have that weird grief path because it's different for everybody in every situation. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. a straight line. You don't go from A, B, C. It's it's repeats and it's rinses and it's recycled. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm here for that, but I just wish that it wasn't like because of this like random man we don't really care about. Right. Um, and it's no offense to the actor who played Owen. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He was really um, nice to look at. Mr. Evan Donaghy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If I'm saying that correctly, I might not be saying it correctly. I'm from Missouri and I've been drinking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because he was fine, but it was just like, she's so much cooler and so much more interesting. And I wish that she had a better reason to be out here investigating the mystery Mm -hmm. as opposed to my husband committed suicide and it may or may not be about me and women who look like me and I'm going to figure this mystery. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it too, and the reason I don't really care about the husband is we're not really... We're never given a chance. Not that we have to be given a, a huge amount from him, but we're never given anything from him other than the note that he leaves her, which honestly, like, dude, if you're trying to protect her and keeping her away from this thing, don't be like, hey, I protected you from this thing. Don't go looking for it. Bye. Like, right. <laughs> Listen. And I, it, it kind of is a problem throughout the film, even though I do love this central character. I think she is extremely mm-hmm. strong and complicated and interesting but she's the only one that is yes mm-hmm. everybody <laughs> else was there to serve her or gaslight her yes which is another reason why i love her because like even her friends are like trying to talk her out of being angry um when she finds evidence that her husband might be cheating on her and i'm just like no like that's a if you agree to be in a monogamous relationship and you find out the person was cheating and they died you get to be angry yeah. Like, if it was open, that's a different story. Um, which most most relationships should be open, but people don't want to have that conversation. And so there's like, no, let's be here together forever and always. Uh, and we'll just like make sure they're angry. Ah. Um, and if that's what people agree to do, then do that. But you can't be like, I think he's cheating, have your best friend be like, just let it go. He's over. It's gone. He's dead. It's like, no, you're my best friend. And so now I suspect you of being part of these affairs and helping mm-hmm. him hide things from me. Well, yeah, she's lucky. Yep. Her friend was blonde. She might have been killed. She's brunette. No shit. <laughs> yeah, for a hot second, I was very suspicious of the best friend and and the neighbor because they the movie did kind of do that classic thing where it starts to paint them in a suspicious light, mm-hmm. and then and then it's fine. And then it was like, oh, I, I also held on to the secret that I never told you about the neighbor. Like, why? <laughs> The neighbor male played by Vondi Curtis Hall. Um, that's one of my notes because again, we have two black people this whole movie, and he's the one with lines and actual more multiple scenes, and he's there to serve and protect again. And I'm just tired of that narrative. Um, like it's it's like Rachel True was talking about in the horror noir documentary. It's the are you okay, girl? Um mm-hmm. And I'm not, because again, like I really like this lead. I like this actor. I'm not saying Rebecca Hall is bullshit or anything, but I'm just saying, like, what if we started instead of defaulting to white cast, we started defaulting to like PLCs and then had like this, are you okay girl character be the white people? What would that feel like? Because again, this character, I, I fucked with this character and this could have been a black woman or it could have been a brown woman or it could have been an Asian woman or anybody else. Um, and I would have followed along with her because she's making she's making choices that make sense to me for somebody who's going through grief and somebody trying to process what the hell they're finding out and deal with their own shit. Mm-hmm. And so it could have been anybody. And again, I'm not coming from Rebecca Hall. She did everything she could. I love the character. Ooh, I love yeah. the acting. But I'm just saying the fact that we keep defaulting to let's put the brown people in the least amount of <laughs> words possible sends <laughs> mm-hmm. me. Because Vonnie Curtis Hall has been an actor for decades on decades and can do all the things. But here he is mm-hmm. as the I saw him and I tried to protect you because I'm here to serve because I'm black. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, we, we, we were, we were, we, continue to go back to whiteness as central parts you know same thing with straightness and Mm -hmm. you know maleness usually except this is that's not the case this time but typically it is white straight cis men (laughs) it's just so boring it's so done to death i'm tired of straight white people dominating all movies like that story's been told multiple times i don't care anymore 
I know we all love Liz McGuire. We don't need her in the lead. I know mm-hmm. we all love insert however many blonde women. We don't need her anymore. Like right. I too love Sarah Michelle Gellar, but like she could be a supporting role. <laughs> I it's it's time to move the fuck on. It's the year 2022. Um, and we are still selling the same stories, the same casting breakdown, and we're like, it takes time. You've had since movies started. Yes. <laughs> movies have started over a hundred years ago. It don't take that much time, okay? Exactly. <laughs> and I hate it when anything is like, oh, the first, you know, black person this or a person of color that or gay that. Like, yeah, it's 2022. That's embarrassing. I don't think that's really something we need to be all like highlighting and showing like, look how far we've come. Like, it's kind of late. <laughs> I mean, it's great. And I, I hate to take away from the moment, but it's also really hard to celebrate it when we look at what fucking year it is. Thank you, because I'm always yelling that because it's like, well, she's the first black woman to win this for a writer. I'm like, but it's the year 2021 of our Lord Beyonce. Like, <laughs> we not. this is not, we should be embarrassed that we're just not giving it to a black person when we know so many have earned and so many have probably surpassed. And here we are still fighting for like any recognition whatsoever. And that's why these movies keep happening to us. <laughs> and by us, I mean like all communities that are just like never seen. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, the shitty movie's for you, so you should be welcome. And mm-hmm. you should be grateful. And it's like, no, this is bullshit. This is this. You're gaslighting me. Exactly. <laughs> you're centering cis straight white people and telling me it's for me and for who is this life for? Who is this life for? Well, and we've been forced to, and I think Shireen, I've had this conversation so many times. We have, now. as <laughs> marginalized communities, have been forced to see ourselves in people that don't necessarily look or live or are the the you know maybe have different things than we do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and maybe it's time for those straight white people to straight white cis people to sit down and see themselves in a black person or in a queer person or in a person with a disability. Like that just because someone is of a different race, sexual orientation, gender identity, anything doesn't mean that you you you're there's not an inability to see yourself in, within that somehow some way some fashion you know because okay. we've all had to do it if mm-hmm. i can do it if Shrey can do it if jen can do it y'all can do it too that's right listen, <laughs> that's listen right. this is a country specifically where we were only elect cis straight white men to the office of president until obama and none of them represented my values and what I cared about. Like, I'm going to tell you that right off the bat without doing all the research. Because you know what? <laughs> I know John Adams and them were not like black people, <laughs> ovaries. These things matter. They were like, my privilege keeps me comfortable. And they did it to the White House. <laughs> and they did what they did. <laughs> and I have to live with it. And so, like, I just, it's boring. It's so fucking boring. Especially because, like, just even like a little bit of a change. Like, had you made, had you made this character, and again, I'm not coming for Becca Hall, but had you made Beth anybody but a white woman, we would have had so much texture and nuance. Mm-hmm. And the gaslighting would have hit harder because, like, we're always being gaslit as women of color, always. Like, I can't say I'm experiencing anything, but people be like, Are you sure it's racism and not sexism? I'm like, hi, intersectionality is a real thing. Right. Can, why not, that. How about both? <laughs> yes, yep. Why not both? <laughs> Misogynar um, is a real word. Um, and so it's just like, I think that it would have been interesting and we would have gotten away from the one black person with actual lines is the neighbor who's here to support and serve and keep secrets. Because I keep seeing that and it keeps sending me and I've been mentioning it in my reviews lately because it's everywhere because nobody wants to cast my people in lead roles. Mm-hmm. And so we're always there to serve and protect. And I'm just like, no, no, no more. Yeah. So I think past our issues for for me anyways past my issues with the storytelling because i think those are very definite i think the reason i liked this movie was all the technical aspects of this film number one this film wastes no time in getting creepy it is like the first five minutes and she is being woken mm-hmm. up by this weird thing in the in the background of her window thing and i was like what the fuck is going on now and then also just the visuals that we get especially in the dreams where she gets under like the the blood moon, I'm going to call it. I can't think of, like, that's essentially what it is, I think. And it's just so, it's such beautiful imagery, especially in a film that's predominantly earth tones. Like, it's a lot of cream, tan, brown, green, all that kind of stuff. And then you have this bright red light on her. It's gorgeous. 
the color scheme and the posters and things gave me malignant vibes. Mm -hmm. And that's why when I ran into this the first time earlier this year, I was like, what am I getting into? And it wasn't that, but I had a good time anyways. But I definitely wanted more malignant. I wanted more like wilding out. And instead we got more of a contained, um, sophisticated mm. <laughs> hot mess. <laughs> I mean, I thought that, that last little scene was pretty, it was pretty wild. But I mean, it wasn't malignant wild. <laughs> no. 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 Yeah, I, I agree. I liked how this film was shot and the cinematography. I thought a lot of it was very, very beautiful and like a lot more use of like the practical effects and kind of the forced perspective to kind of show. I loved it. It was so creepy and so unsettling. And it co completely reminds me of like anytime you catch something out of the corner of your eye, and you're just like, the fuck was that? Yes. I, 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 I had an eye appointment earlier this year and I'm like, I get like little weird I'm, I'm getting like floaties in it. So it does sometimes look like there's shadows moving just outside of my peripheral and it freaks me out. And my, my eye doctor's like, no, it's fine. You're fine. I'm like, okie dokie. I'm just freaking myself out every night as I'm sitting here during spooky season watching movies. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> but, oh, especially in the end when she's like revisiting all his murders or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you see like the being in like cutouts of things. Yep. Oh, that was very that well was, done. Yes. I was like, oh, oh shit. There he is. Oh, God, yeah. no. Now he's over there. Oh, shit. <laughs> Now it's the whole head. His whole head's the whole way. Oh, God. And you're just like, fuck. I, there was a couple of times I rewound because the subtlety of some of it, like when is when the shadow head moves and stuff like that, I was like, it's like I could tell something happened, but I couldn't quite catch it. So I rewound and then I saw it. And then I was like, oh, do not like. No, thank you. Let's just keep on going. And then it did it again. I was like, oh. But it was very, very good, very effective. And another one of my favorite scenes was when She's like in uh, in the dream and and then she comes back into the house, essentially waking herself up. I just I loved how that was filmed. I loved how like surreal that was. And I feel like we've all maybe had kind of those moments where you wake up and you're just like, what the fuck was all of that? Like mm -hmm. a really vivid dream or something that Many just kind of sticks with you. And it's just very makes you uneasy. I thought that was very, very well done. So those are definitely like my favorite I guess more technical aspects of the movie was the cinematography, yeah, the color tone, and then practical over overly used special effects. Yeah, no, it's a gorgeous movie, and I think that's part of the it's part of the vibe because like a lot of these movies that are like this, or I, I don't think they get even get close to this, but a lot of ones that try to be like this, um, they don't have a sense of who they are, and they're not telling us something new. And this one's like, hi, I'm also pretty to look at while I'm telling you these things and these visuals are going to make sense in a minute. But like um, to move this train to a different stop, Hunter's mom is the real villain. Ooh, I, wanna, I wanted oh, to punch God. her in the face. <laughs> I wanted to punch her in the face. I want a movie where the paranormal shit attacks her and her asshole son because yep. you can't, if you give a child an extension and that child doesn't meet that extension and then goes tells their mom the teacher's bullshit because they tried it again for the second, mm -hmm. maybe third time. That kid's an asshole, and the parent coming in to argue for that kid is also an asshole. Absolutely. I I loved what uh, Beth, I think, is the main character's name. Yep. I, oh, God. So I agree. I love Beth. I love this character. I love how she just doesn't give a fuck, and mm -hmm. she's going through all this, and she doesn't care. You want to be? I love you that. Want yeah. She's yeah. like, I don't, I don't give a shit about your son's grade. I don't care. And how blunt she is about everything that she's going through. I loved it. Because, yeah, as you said, like, women are so much like we're supposed to like keep our feelings in check and our emotions in check. And we can't just be so bold and brash about these terrible things that have happened in, in our lives. And she just drops it right then and there. And I was just like, Oh my Lord. I was like, <laughs> I was in it to win it. And I was like, go back, go. And <laughs> That's when I was like, I stand her. I'm here yeah. for her. I am. I am under her. I am information. Because again, like we still have this thing, especially when something's written and directed by men, which this movie was, um, we still have this thing where we need women to be likable and fuckable. And I, that's boring because like women are women. Like we do the things, we do the shit, we have opinions, we have feelings, and we don't get to have those in movies written by cis men. 
Um, <laughs> and so I love that she's like, I'm in distress. My husband killed himself. I don't care about you or your shitty child. Good day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that That's real and that's raw. And I'm rooting for her and I want to follow her and invest in her as opposed to like your Mary Sue's that are just like, I'm going through something, but let me comfort everybody else. Also, let's undo a couple of buttons because the director likes my boobs. Like, I just, <laughs> this is a better situation for me. <laughs> and I, there's also this problem in the world, let's just say, of how we as, as a society think of and treat teachers as if their entire being is to do nothing but cater to your child and your child alone, I come my whole family are teachers, so I hear about this shit all the time. And it's like, no, ma'am, I can miss a day. That can happen. And it could be personal business. It's none of your goddamn business in the first place. And if he missed a day that the assignment was due or that, that I gave the assignment, guess whose job it is? Guess whose education it is? Not mine. I went to college. I got a damn degree. It's his job. It's your child's job. Teachers don't, they got enough on their plate. Uh, than having to cater to your child and your schedule and what you have going on in your life. Sorry about it. It's your education. Fuck it up if you would like to. The American education system specifically pisses me off. Um, We have a lot of systems that piss me off because it's America and we don't do anything (laughs) well. But like (laughs) the education system specifically because like we are making teachers spend money to build classrooms that they don't have because we don't pay them. Um, we give them all of two months off now because like back when I was a kid, we, they would get like three months off. Now they get like two um, because like we are friends with so many teachers. Like they're going to grow that scary specifically. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them because they are teaching on top of podcasting, on top of being badasses. And there's just no way I would be able to be like, let me open up my wallet to like support your kids because the school board won't and you won't. And then also, like, try and, like, help you help these babies even though you don't want it. Because you're just like, they go to school and they come home and that's it. It's like, no. You have to sometimes be in your kid's ass. You have to be like, are you doing your homework? Are you doing the assignment? Are you fucking off in school when you go to school? And a lot of parents don't check in anymore because we have this thing where we're like, they're the school's problem. And when they come home, then I have to deal with them um, on, like, the feeding them and, like, getting them to bed and shit. But, like, nothing else. There's no engagement. And then we're like, why are our kids fucked up? Why are our kids out here mm-hmm. getting in trouble? Because the parents aren't able to do it. And I know capitalism plays a part of that. I'm not saying not all systems are broken, but I'm saying if you choose to spawn, you have to engage with your teachers <laughs> and your babysitters and you have to help them help your kid be the best of the kid. You can't right. just be like, I shoot these out and I send them to your class and you take care mm-hmm. of them, right? That's not how that goes. Mm-mm. It certainly is not. And at least for us, we we are very much like team teachers and we want to maintain consistency. So if there is something that like our youngest was in speech therapy for a couple of years. And so when we'd meet with the speech therapist, they'd let us know what they were working on and having him work on at school and ask that we carry that on at home. Absolutely no problem. And we've been doing that since day one with their uh, child care provider. Whatever Mary said, (laughs) that's how it goes at home as well, because Mary's been doing this a lot longer than we have. So Mary knows best. And it was all about the book of Mary for those first. It it still might be a little we still might revert back to the book of Mary once in a while. What would Mary do in this situation? (laughs) You tell him to shut up and go outside. (laughs) But I I completely agree, though. Yeah, the way some folks think they can just mistreat teachers is utterly disgusting. So, yeah, Hunter's mom had it come in and her one line about after best like, yeah, my husband shot himself and blah, blah, blah. And mom's like, oh, I didn't know. Like, you don't need to fucking know. That's right. It's called being a human being. Yeah, Yeah. that that line did not need to be uttered. She could have just been like, oh, I'm sorry. But because of the character. A, a Karen type, obviously. I was just like, <laughs> oh, I just want to punch you in the face. Because here's the thing. Most parents who raise assholes know they've raised an asshole. Um, and so they are out here fighting for this asshole and they know that it's an asshole. And again, it's that sense of entitlement. And it's part of what pisses me off about a lot of people who feel that they have to have kids. It's because they're not having them because they want them or because they want to be good at it or because they want to raise a child. They're having them because they can or it's mm-hmm. their right. 
Um, and I'm just like, we have lots of rights, but like, we don't need to exercise all of them, perhaps, especially when another life is involved. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's part of the reason I'm not trying to have kids. Cause I know I'm in my selfish phase. I had a shitty childhood. I want to take care of myself. I want to live my life. And so I don't want to sit here being like, did you do your homework? I need to feed you. I can't go to wherever the fuck I want to go to next weekend because I have to take care of you. That's not my moment. And a lot of people just need to ask themselves, am I going to be a good parent before I just like start procreating? Because, because. Yeah. Even the dating apps, even the dating apps. I want kids someday. Why? Because um, 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 I want someone to take care of me in old age. No, mm -mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's not the end game. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not like literally. If you want kids, you need to actually want the fucking kids, and mm. we don't make people aware of that. And so we're just like, oh yeah, you like you're of age, so like go out and get knocked up, go do it, mm -hmm. go get married. Right. And these people are sidelining their lives and their potential, and it's not even something they want. If it's one thing, if you want children, I can't stress enough. If you want children, and that's your calling, and that's what you want to do, by all means, fucking do it. But like, if you're like, I want to travel, I want to see the world, I want to do all that other stuff, but you're like, but I gotta have kids. <laughs> the kids are gonna know that, and the people <laughs> have to help you raise these kids are gonna know that, and the teachers are gonna know that, and the kids are gonna know that and resent you. Right. So, like, check in with yourself before you have your birth control. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> At 100%. And, you know, you've got people who, so I will say, Hunter's mom is the only character in this entire movie that had to be, that had to be white. If she had been anything yeah. else, it would not have made sense. No. Because. Yeah. She's the real one, villain. Right. And <laughs> mm -hmm. lest we forget, she's arguing over a C. Yep. He's not even flunking the class. He missed the whole damn final project and he's still making a seat. That's a pretty nice teacher, if you ask me. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Doc J, she would have she would have laughed in my face. I mean, like, <laughs> you're getting a no. D and you're gonna like it. Listen. You're lucky. <laughs> listen, listen. And that's why the thing, because Hunter's mom is gonna pay his way into college anyways. So yep. like what are we even doing other than like leaning on a teacher because she, you feel she's beneath you? And so that whole class hierarchy situation just fucking sends me as well. I I don't fucks with most parents because I don't want to be parents. I don't fucks with most children because they are raised people who don't want to be parents. And <laughs> that's my song. That's my and, song. Well, and we've got, we've I got, love your song. Thank you. We <laughs> have parents and school systems, school boards, even administrators who are focusing on the wrong damn thing. Like how many schools have trans bathroom policies that are still scoring what on standardized tests? Maybe your maybe your priorities need to be switched around a little bit. Maybe we need to be not banning books. Maybe we need required reading. I don't know. We are in year 2021 of Megan the Stallion, and we are just now passing the Crown Act because we were sending people home for having locks and having braids and pretending they couldn't learn because they didn't look white. And oh I'm just like, so this blatant racism is cool, huh? Right. Apparently. It's yep. just, yeah, it, it, it's it's wild to me, you know. And like for, I mean, the the whole trans thing really hits home to me right now because my home, where I'm at right now, our school board just passed a bunch of tra anti-trans uh, policies into this into the school system, and um, there was a priest there preaching that all LGBTQIA people deserve death. So like, I just. Want to scream it? Where's your priorities? There are don't aren't there better? Even if you let's say you believe being gay or whatever is a sin, whatever the fuck that means for you, aren't there better things to like work, spend your time? Where how about poverty? Exactly. How about hunger? Hunger. How about I don't know? We have billions of people who are getting sick right now still from a pandemic that your asses aren't doing shit about. We're always at war and student debt is a real thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to die with this student debt. <laughs> Just so we're all clear. I will die. So it's a good thing I don't want kids because my grandkids will be paying it off. And for what? I learned nothing. I want I want my money back. I'll just send the degrees back and get my money back. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what? <laughs> so like, I just, again, this Karen who is Hunter's mom is in here yelling at this woman when Hunter's going to be fine. He is a white male from a privileged family. Um, who's going to buy his way into a school and he will never have to actually open a book in a day in his life. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. she's like, 
but I want this A because my son is special. I told him he's special. Mm -hmm. Your son's not special. He's mediocre like most white men. And if you don't know that and he doesn't know that, I'm happy to tell you. Here's my phone number. <laughs> what? <laughs> exactly. Yep. So one other moment that I don't know about y'all, because it kind of confused the hell out of me. And I get grief is different for everyone. And like, I get it. So she's going on a little adventure in the woods in the middle of the rain. Cause I guess, and she's like half drunk at this point. Cause I don't know. <laughs> she's reading Sheree's biography and got inspired. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a face turner. <laughs> <laughs> and she stumbles upon dead bodies in the floor of this house, her, her dead husband's is uh, building that no one knows about that's on, like, land owned by the government, like, I guess, like, protected land. I don't know. It sounds like a felony to me, but whatever. And then she goes home, and suddenly she's, like, all feeling up on this invisible thing that's in there, and, like... I was like, girl, I get it. Because it was a really good scene. Because I was like, the special effects were super cool. You can see, like, the indention in her skin as his hands or the, their hands, I don't know, uh, were, like, rubbing all up on her. But I was like, how are you trusting this person? You just found dead bodies. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, I have a thing about people who fuck ghosts. And, again, I'm not here to kink shame. But, like, <laughs> whenever I see him, it's like, ooh. Because there was that rough patch of Grey's Anatomy where Izzy was like, is this Denny? I'm a fuck Denny. I'm like, Denny been dead for years, lady. I'm going to need you to talk to somebody about this. Um, and she's like, no. And I'm like, Jeffrey Dean Morgan ain't that hot or I'm a fucking ghost. I'm going to need questions, comments, concerns. <laughs> and so when she was like, yeah, get it. And again, I'm not here to be like, your grief is not mine, obviously. Um, but I, I would want to be like, can I hear a voice? Can we talk about something that only we would know? Because you have the supernatural popping off. And again, he was murdering women. Like he murdered who knows how many women. Mm -hmm. So even if I did miss my partner, I would not want to be like, hey, you serial killer, let's get it in one more time. Like, um, I got some questions. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, who are these women under our floor? <laughs> we need the story time before we have Listen. sexy time. Yep. <laughs> Davis and then had to go away with murder immediately because she was like, why is your dick in this dead girl's phone? And I'm like, those are questions. That's the question. Bring it, we go anywhere else. Answer this question. I still remember that line. I remember that scene. It was just, I love she it. She took the wig off. Um, she got to look in the mirror. It was high drama. Viola deserves it. She deserves a Lifetime Achievement Award now and another one later on. I love Listen. her. That scene was why I stayed for the whole show. Because I was like, sometimes I want to quit. But I remember that scene, and I know it'll still come around again. But then she started getting, like, after, the, once that hit happened, I felt like, okay, now the shit's hitting the fan. We're going balls to the wall now. Like, she's getting thrown around this house with cutouts of the demon, watching her husband kill her doppelgangers, as Sheree said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, now I'm in this. Now I'm, I'm back in this. This is, this is okay. I'm here. It Ooh. was wild. It was so wild. I, I also need to call out the moment she went out because she didn't want to go out, clearly, because like her husband had just died and she was mm -hmm. filling her fields and forgetting mystery. But she goes out and her supposed friend group was like, weren't there signs? Didn't you know anything before he did it? Mm -hmm. And I, again, we're blaming women for what men do. And I just... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But I, I did love that scene because again, Beth just made it just her no fucks given and I'll keep talking about, you know, her best friends trying to like shush everyone. And which also, again, kind of led me down the path of suspecting the bestie and everything. But yeah. I, I just, I loved that because it was so awkward, but Beth just did not give a shit. I, I fucking love her for that. I always will because uh, I my parents are dead and my brother and I have a wonderful time making people awkward with it. So I <laughs> totally felt felt that. <laughs> Very yeah. relatable moment. I, I love that because so often when people around us die, somebody else takes it upon themselves, try to make the people who are alive feel bad about it. No matter what the circumstances are. No matter what the circumstances are. 
Or if it's something that was in the news, they need to be like, ooh, juicy gossip. And it's like, no, it's still death. It's still grief. Why aren't you a human? And so I love that she had that moment. It was very um, Big Little Lies where Meryl Streep's like, I'm sorry, is my grief too loud for you? Mm. After screaming and making the children actors in the scene forget they were acting for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's awesome. (laughs) Because a lot of the times we don't get to feel all of our feelings, especially as women of color, which again, if Beth was women of color, it would make even much more sense to me in my brain. We don't get to feel our feelings because like we're always too much, no matter what we do, because the system's set up to be too much. So like if I'm having a bad day, I can't be angry because I'm an angry black woman. Um, and if somebody's coming for me and I say something back, I could have just looked the other way. I could have turned the other cheek. Meanwhile, Chad's out here rolling the fuck out. And I'm just like, but like you didn't talk to Chad about this. What <laughs> do you not see Chad who's instigating? <laughs> Why are you talking to me about how I'm behaving when he's coming for me? For like five hours, and you said nothing. But when I clap back, all of a sudden we have a moment. Now, like, yeah, now there's a problem. Yeah, best should have been a woman of color. Um, and again, I'm not angry that this woman was cast. I'm just this keeps happening, and I keep saying that like we could have done other things in the casting, and this is just a clear cut example of a time where this could have been a woman of color, mm-hmm. and it would have made so much fucking sense. Um, her choices make sense. Her rage makes sense, and it's justifiable. Like the way she claps back at people makes sense. And we don't get a person of color in that lead role. Instead, they are two to the side, one of which is to serve and protect, and the other one is a friend who might have a line or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that scene we were just talking about. Yeah. And yeah, she's never seen again. I, uh, yeah, of course, completely agree. You know, I didn't, I think Rebecca Hall is great. She did a great job. It would have been, it just would have been more interesting yeah. from a, you know, a viewership point of view to have a, per, uh, a woman of color in that role. And there's so many movies that miss that bit because like the new Quiet Place, I mm. love the actor they had. I forgot his name because I was so mad. <laughs> um, I forgot his name, but he was the new John Krasinski fill-in. I love that actor whose name I just forgot because again, I've been drinking. I love that character, but that could have been a black person and it would have made more sense than just like having like two, three black people add it and then killing them immediately. Because that feels racist. Because we've established that The Quiet Place is a world where making sound is the most interesting you can do. And yet now in the sequel, being Black is the most interesting you can be. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, okay then. <laughs> Wait a like we can't do that. <laughs> and we see it again and time and time again because there are so many characters out here that are just like defaulted to whiteness. And it makes more sense for them to be like anybody but white. Um, and that's shows it's movies it's plays but like the director and the casting directors are always like default to whiteness thank you mm-hmm. um and i'm like no like just think about it right 100 i completely agree yeah beth i think yeah beth absolutely would have been far more interesting had she just not been white <laughs> right right because i have been the black person in a white town i have been i have been multiple times in my life it's always awful <laughs> and I, I can sympathize with her because like when something happens, you can't talk to people about it because you are the loner. And even your friends who are trying to like hang in there with you, it's still a very white nonsense mess. Mm-hmm. Like I've quit jobs because I'm the only black person <laughs> and I'm tired of having to explain and like do the, like the beginner's guide to what is happening so people can understand it and like mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So my only other negative thing I would say about this film as I said, I've loved it, and they'll have do have issues with the storytelling and you know things we've discussed. I the middle of the film, some of that could have been shaved off. There's no need for this movie to be an hour and 40 minutes. Like it could have been an hour and a half, which is our sweet spot, and it would have been so it would have got me in, out, told me an awesome story, there's some interesting things, and not wasted some of my time. Because I feel like Having the the well the would be victim in two different scenes, why don't we just have her in one scene and get that information there? You know, like I don't know. I just it just it felt a little long, especially in the middle for me. It felt like another thing that was adapted from a novel because you know how Ooh. I always talk about that. Even though I don't think this was, but it felt like this was a novel or might was going to be a novel at one point. And so we kept certain things and we could like spend time luxuriating certain things. But again, overall, I like it. I don't want to get too far into that thought because my hot take um, will get exposed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I agree. I thought like 140, it didn't feel, at least for me, it didn't feel too long, but yeah, I, I agree. I think I could have sh easily shaved like 10 minutes and it would have been good. Cause I thought the, I, I really thought the pacing and everything for the movie felt good, felt kind of natural. Nothing felt rushed. And yeah, maybe for, aside from like, yeah, the lull with the bookshop girl. Yeah. Appearing mm -hmm. twice. But I guess maybe she just had to still come to the house to be like, I've been here before to be all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, you know, not really being all that surprised. But but yeah, my only other thing uh, about the movie was, uh, did they say what happened with the bodies that Beth found? So they're just, we're just, it's all okay. And yeah, in the reverse house. Cool. What? Uh, <laughs> 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 and then... The other thing, my other last kind of little note quick is I thought it was interesting because we don't really get a sense of like a heaven or a hell. Like this is a depression, death, demon, whatever it is. I, mm -hmm. I, loose, I use the term demon loosely because uh, right. then demon implies hell and then right. the hell, heaven, yada, yada. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But then again, as we said at the beginning, things get a little messy then when we're looking at kind of like what this is a, a may possibly a metaphor for with the depression and everything so but i i thought that was kind of interesting because then uh the dark passenger tells beth like no owen's not here owen's gone so where is owen just not on this plane did owen's spirit did ascend to somewhere above or below or is there is there really just nothing so i thought that was kind of interesting in a for face value mm -hmm. kind of way yeah, same. Because like, like I'd like to envision there's like a purgatory where all of these people that she's worried about and all these women that he offed <laughs> are hanging out, waiting to go somewhere. But again, she said there was nothing, and there is nothing, even though nothing is the name of whatever it is. Which yeah, I also find kind of intriguing, and it's another reason why I think I give this movie a little bit more leeway than I maybe should. Because I was like, that's kind of cool to be like, it's called nothing, and nothing's after you. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird phrase. Nothing is after you. Like, yeah. just say there's nothing after in the afterlife. Why is nothing after you? And that was like sending me um, because <laughs> I I was an English major. I was a journalism girl. I, I got a degree in playwriting. And so like words mean things. Like, mm. what does it mean that nothing's after you? How is nothing <laughs> chasing you? Yeah, I also I liked that it didn't have a... Um, a known at least religious connotation. I do like because one of the one privilege that we don't discuss a ton on our show. We had we we we've discussed it before, but it just doesn't come up a lot because most of our films that do have religion in them do are Christian. But um, the the idea of Christian privilege and the and the fact that like Sheree said earlier, every president has been a cis white man besides we got to Obama, well, they've all been Christian. And heaven forbid you're even fucking Catholic. You know, like, like you know, woo, that's crazy. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was nice to finally see a film that deals with supernatural, deals with the afterlife and spirits and, well, they're not really spirits, it's this thing haunting her forever, or not forever, but since her husband died, or she, really, since she almost died anyway so seeing that through a lens that is not colored by any religious thought that we know of anyway mm -hmm. i think that that is more interesting because so often it, spirituality and religion is different from each person each person even in the same like church or the same congregation or whatever the fuck you want to call it i'm just gonna be blasphemous today apparently um <laughs> what i'm gonna call it <laughs> It's different and it's unique to each other. It's like it's like fingerprints. Like whatever you believe and however you believe and however you choose to like vibe with it is different. And so when we be like, this is the Christian or the Catholic way, you alienate so many people because it's not that way for people even in that same religion. Like it's one of the things that I think that the conjuring fails at because it's like, this is the Christianity clause. And I'm just like, ooh, but most of the people <laughs> giving you our money are not Christians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly no the only other thing i wrote uh kind of regarding the sculpture because i was confused about it as well was it to keep the 
death depression demon at bay or some sort of sacrificial kind of thing. All I know is that it seemed very well weighted because when she threw it, it landed upright. So I was like, oh, it's well Ooh. made. So <laughs> otherwise I was like, that's a creepy ass sculpture. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of uh, inferred, it, I don't know, in my head, it was like kind of like the, the puzzle box for Hellraiser. Like it's the thing that... Uh brings this man or not man this entity to you or whatever that's the only thing i got from it but i that's me reaching for something it never said that i, in the I think it was more husband shenanigans they're trying to figure out what her nothing was instead of in talking to her and engaging her he was trying different shit and because that felt like a different that felt like it might be an artifact of somebody's religion or beliefs and so i was like i could see him being like i'm gonna talk to her but i'm gonna like play around with things because i'm a white man and that's what i do disrespect other people's cultures um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's confusing all around all right child but let's get spicy let's get some hot takes let's let's see what we got here Sure. Um, it's kind of room temperature take, actually. It's not that hot, not that spicy. It's pretty, pretty bland. I liked this movie. I thought it was very well made and very well acted. Um, so I don't really have any major complaints other than what I kind of uh, started off with, with this concept of the partner carrying the other person's mm. darkness, depression, manifesting that into something darker and more depressing and yeah, not being open and honest and, and all of that. And just kind of, it's just, it's a bad look I, mm -hmm. overall. Right. But other than that, I, I really liked this movie. I thought, like I said, I thought it was paced very well. It did kind of go that uh, route of making you suspect everyone and then everyone's fine. And that's okay too. But so, it, yeah, it was it was an interesting take on supernatural, haunted house, ghosts, spirits, stuff like that. Kind of removing the that tiny bit that I don't care for, but I I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I I enjoyed it. I liked it. I didn't love it, but and I went into it not knowing anything. I didn't read. I barely read the little synopsis on uh, on HBO because I was like I want to go in going blind and just kind of see where we land at the end and i thought yeah uh, some patches here and there possibly but other than that i thought it was a pretty solid spooky movie yeah no, like whatever year we're gonna put it in because again i don't know what year that should come out in <laughs> it's a real thing because festivals happen and then the movie's like but we didn't come out this year we just did the festival just come out the next year so like this movie's saying it should come out in 2020 but i don't know like we might never know. What? We'll never know. <laughs> it went. Um, it went. It went to nothing with her husband. Listen, yeah. <laughs> like nothing is after it, and it's running, and we will never catch it. But I, I liked it. I did like it. I think it's probably one of the cooler movies that I saw. Thinking it was from last year, like it might be in my, it might be in my top. 10, 15 of last year, if it came out last year, if it came out 2020, it's probably my top 10. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's currently, I have it listed in 2020 on my uh, on my letterboxed. But yeah, it's in my like top five on my, on, from 2020 on letterboxed, I believe. Yeah. Because again, like we get to do things that we don't normally get to do. Like we don't have women who are like, here's how I feel today. The fact that that mm -hmm. is something that is still a rarity in the year 2022 of our Lord <laughs> Cardi B. <laughs> I, I'm we have watching. many lords on Fear Street. I love lords. it. <laughs> Why should there only be one? Let there be many. Listen, <laughs> Listen we are non-denominational here. Um, <laughs> and we've only listed well, three. We've got that. more than that. Listen. We've got Cher. We've got Christine. We've got so many gods. So many. So many. So lords. many. But like the fact that we are just now getting a movie where like, and it, again, it's written by dudes. I'm ninety nine percent sure it's written by dudes. I didn't like write down names because I don't like giving men credit. But like it, they did it well this time, and I have to own that because normally I'm like it's written by a man. Throw my computer. Want to trash everything? <laughs> but like they were like, what if she just said how she felt? And that's how yeah. I move in the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh my God, I see myself and I like it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have investigated this far into my dead husband's shit when I found out he was up to no good. But aside right. from that, I would have been like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm making these choices. I'm doing these things. I'm saying how I feel, what I need, and people aren't respecting it because I am a black woman. 
and she should have been a woman of color. But again, great acting. And so I, I can't be too salty other than looking at the cast and director and the director and being like, can you do better next time? Yeah, I will say this is directed and written by uh, men. I don't know that they're cis men. Well, they're masculine names anyways. It's David Bruckner, Ben Collins, and Luke. I'm going to try it. Piotrowski? Trowski? Piotrowski? David Brecker just gave us a new Hellraiser, didn't he? Oh, is that, is that, oh yeah. He, uh, yeah. Yeah, like, he's got a name, and it, it makes sense when I see the name. Because, like, I, I've i yet to see anything from him that I'm, like, mad about. If that makes sense. Oh, he's because a he lot. Also, he did, like, VHS, the Ritual. The Ritual, VHS, oh, okay. Southbound. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I saw this on um, the IMDb trivia last night because I have to read the trivia as I watch stuff because that's what I do. But it says, when Beth flips through the photos on Owen's phone, one of the first photos shown is of two men laughing. The photo is of the, is of the film's screenwriters, Luke Piotrowski and Ben Collins, who met in high school in Georgia and began writing together in college. So, because the, in the picture, I remember seeing that they look pretty cozy, like they're a couple. So, I don't know if it's just those two cis men in the picture or if they are actually gay by or something yeah. or right, in a relationship. Right. But that's a nice touch. It would make sense if they are because they wrote a woman character as an actual person and not as a person who's going to get naked and like walk around <laughs> yeah. in heels. So, yeah, that might be part of the puzzle because, I mean, again, Yes, all men, <laughs> but a lot of the time, a lot of the time, the queer men are doing better, better. And I'm not saying that like they are absolved of all sins because they will also fuck around and find out, but I'm saying <laughs> they typically do better. And so maybe that's why I'm not mad about Miss Beth. Um, my actual hot take though, <laughs> after saying, I hope that the writers are not straight. <laughs> I guess that's also hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said oh, for everybody <laughs> forever and ever <laughs> I like this movie but the nightmares are my favorite part for the first half and without them the first half would have felt like a cool drama with some scary movie vibes my hot take the writers who we hope are queer if they're queer mm -hmm. awesome if they're not if, even if they are if they are listen I still have some notes for you <laughs> number one you did write an incredible character and I think you spent time on her characterization and writing her dialogue in her moments really, 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 really well. But you lost us in the mythology and in what the hell was going on. I, like, what is the statue? What is this, like, why is he not talking to her? Like, what, what happened to her past this? Who are any of these other characters? So I think, you know, my my hot take would be when writers go in to write something specifically supernaturally based, you really have to have a firm understanding of what that is, even if it's not based in a known religion or known faith that anyone practices outside of your film or your story. But if you don't, if I don't feel like they had a grasp on this either because there's just so many, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> huh? Okay, I guess, you know. And so I just think if they had had a better sense on the mythology, it would have, like for me, this movie was a four and a half out of five. It would have propped it to a five. If I had walked away being like, okay, the statue fitted here this way, and this is why this was happening. And it, it, I was just left with so many questions. Also, what was that song? Was that like his favorite song? I don't understand. Their wedding song, May? I don't, because, and again, going back to Beth and her anger and her feelings, I love that when she's rewatching like their wedding videos, she looks so mad. I wrote that down. She looks so pissed off. And at first I was like, why? What is, are you okay? What happened? <laughs> Who hurt you? And now, but it's, it, again, it's that grief and it's being angry that, you know, her partner has left her. And I totally make sense, but I loved it. Especially because as far as she knows, he did this. And so he took himself away. Mm -hmm. And that that has to feel awful to have like someone who you think you know completely inside and out and you think you're going through life with. And they're just like, I don't want to do it anymore. And they don't have a conversation with you. So you can't even like pretend to like try and help or mm -hmm. facilitate another avenue. You just are waking up and it's like, what? It made me think. And because like when I was a kid, the whole Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain thing 
was just like so filtered through the patriarchy. And so everybody was like, it's her fault. She did it. It's her fault. And like Courtney Love is a lot of things, but I don't believe a conspiracy <laughs> in that she killed her husband. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that that was definitely like whatever Kurt was going through. But again, like I remember listening to her make that phone call or I don't know how they got the audio, but she's like reading his like suicide note and she's just like arguing with it as she's reading it because she's like in her feelings because she's not left with a daughter mm -hmm. and left with a life. And she woke up that day and had a husband and it was all fine and dandy. And now she's like, I'm a single mom and like your fan base is coming for me already because it's the 90s and I'm a woman. And I just remember listening to her like read through it and be like, that's bullshit. You you know you didn't believe that. No, that's don't you fucking dare. And I, I think that that is part of the reason why I lean forward for Beth is because like these are real moments. Like mm -hmm. we all have grief. And even if it's not a suicide situation, you get to go through all those emotions. You have the anger, you have the acceptance, you have all the steps. And yeah. you can't fight with that person because they're not there. They did a thing and they're not there. Yep. And this episode is a giant suicide warning. But also, like, I, again, she makes sense. Um, <laughs> she makes so much sense because feelings are valid, whether or not, like, mm -hmm. I get them or not. Like, it's how you feel and it's how you feel. Absolutely. And I love that because so often we get the, I got to be fuckable and likable because I'm a woman in a movie. Moving on. Mm -hmm. And she gets to be sad. She gets to be mad. She gets to hang out in her PJs. She gets to, like, talk to her friends in the way she wants to. <laughs> Chugging brandy, like <laughs> she gets to be angry with the possible mistresses, and I'm here for this. I want more women getting to be actual women as opposed to props and pieces written by men. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. so nice to not see her just blubber cry while watching the videos, and I mean, she still had those moments, but it's like, especially that early in the film, I was like, I like this. I like that she's mad. And not just like, oh, like, how could you do this? Why did you leave me? Uh, uh, uh. No. Yeah. <laughs> so often when we get this movie or something like this, she is a shell of herself. She can't function anymore. Mm -hmm. The bills aren't paid. Someone has to move in, take care of her. And she's like, no, I can still live my life. But also I am working through my grief. I am having emotions. And sometimes I'm sad. Sometimes I'm mad. And that's fine. But I can still function as a person. Like, I'm tired of the movie where like the man goes away and the woman is no more. She's crumpled. She can't go on. She's crying in the corners. Like she's not a badass bitch and hasn't been a badass bitch the whole franchise. Look at you, Gail Weathers. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm tired of these. I'm tired of these narratives because that's not how we operate. We can be sad, yes. We can have feelings, yes. But we can still focus and we can still be about business. We're not like, that was all I had in my life. I guess it's over. What? <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, that is our thoughts on The Night House. Thank you so much, Jen, for joining us. It has been a blast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I had a ton of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Next week, we'll be covering Last Night in Soho with Leslie McLean. And that's going to continue this look over our shoulder moment for 2021 question mark. <laughs> I do believe last time Soho was 2021. I, I thought I thought a lot of things before we started this podcast. I don't know no more. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> we'll have a fierce time either way. Right? We'll be back in the 70s. Now I'll be like, that skins. Look. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Again, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you everyone for listening. And as always, make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.